Well, again, good morning. We are uh, in the midst of a vision series where we are considering what it means for us as a church to be a community following Jesus in Houston. And we've uh, talked about the fact that really to be a follower of Jesus is to orient your life around three goals. It means to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And so last week, we got things started. We talked about what does it mean to be with Jesus. And this week, I want to press into this question of what does it mean uh, to become like Jesus. So that's what we'll talk about this morning. And I just want to encourage you that wherever you are on your spiritual journey, um, you are welcome and you are invited um, to consider this way of life. This is a way of life that Jesus invites all of us into as followers of him, to be with him, become like him, and do what he did. And so let's look this morning uh, at this question of what it means to become like Jesus. Now, if you blinked, you might have missed the gospel reading. (laughs) It was very short. It was a short parable by Jesus. And the parable was basically this. It was a rhetorical question, a couple rhetorical questions on the front end. And what were they? They were, can a blind man lead a blind man? The answer is, This is the audience participation part. The answer is no. Good. Okay. Will they not both fall into a pit? Yes. Okay, good. So Jesus is not really challenging us here. He's giving us a couple of questions that are pretty obvious. And really, Jesus is alluding to uh, the Pharisees. Jesus often spoke of the Pharisees in these kinds of terms, that they were kind of blind guides or blind leaders. And so he's saying basically that we're encouraged not to follow people like that, people that actually don't know the way, can't lead the way. And so he goes on, though, to say something that I really want to focus on this morning. And what he says is this. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So just a, quick, uh, a couple of quick observations. First, based on what Jesus has said, The aim of any disciple is to become like their teacher, right? Second, that takes training. It takes training for that to happen. It's going to take intentional effort. It's not just going to happen. Third, uh, there's fully trained. So that must mean there's partially trained. So in other words, there's kind of a process or there's stages to this idea of following Jesus, of living as a disciple. And then that kind of implies the last thing that I would observe is that it takes time. This is a process that takes place over time. So Jesus has given us this kind of paradigm for discipleship. And the question is, well, what does that mean for us as would-be followers of Jesus? And it basically means this, that if you are a follower of Jesus, your goal is not only to be with Jesus, but it is to become like Jesus. Your goal as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, is actually to become like him. Now, if you think on that for a few moments, it doesn't take long to realize that that's going to require some level of change on our part, right? To become like Jesus. And not just a few tweaks and minor changes here in our life, but major, radical, heart-level transformation and change in order for us to become like Jesus. And the word in the New Testament for this kind of change is actually the word transformation. Transformation. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says this. He says, but we 
all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. We're being transformed, Paul says. And the word uh, used for transforms is metamorpho. And that word is where we get our word metamorphosis, which, uh, as my kids are studying in school right now, is most closely associated with this idea of the life cycle of a butterfly, right? So that's what we think of when we think of metamorphosis. And it's a great image because it really is about this transformation, this radical change from one form into something completely different. And that really is what's at the heart of this idea of transformation, this radical change from one state to the next. And so as we talk about this idea of being changed, of transformation as followers of Jesus to become more like Jesus, I think one of the questions we have to really wrestle with is, is this kind of radical change possible? And it's easy to say, oh yeah, sure, of course it is. But I mean, really think about, is radical change in who you are, is that actually possible? Not just behavior, not just the things that we may do on any given, but who you are. Is it possible for that to change? This question, um, it hit me in a personal way uh, several years ago. I, I grew up in the church. Uh, I've been uh, around um, a Christian community and been trying to figure out what it means to be a follower of Jesus for a long time. Went through seminary, served as a pastor. And in the midst of all that, I began to realize several years ago that there were still huge swaths, big areas of my life that seemed to be unchanged. There were still parts of my life that did not experience the kind of transformation that I was reading about and longing for as I combed through the scriptures. And Langley and I were going through um, this kind of realization together. Both of us had come to these points in our life where we realized that there were things about us that we didn't like. We didn't like about who we were and who we were becoming. And as we kind of wrestled with that, I think what we realized is if there were not significant changes in some of these deep uh, ways in our life, then it could come at the cost of our marriage. It could come at the cost of our children, of our ministry. These were big needs, big areas that needed change. And so I think we were asking this question, is it really possible for us to change? Is it possible to have this kind of change? And I think in many ways, both of us felt stuck. I don't know if you've ever felt stuck in that way, that you want to change. The problem is that you don't, it's not that you don't want to change, you want to change, but somehow you can't figure out how. And so maybe you're new to the faith and, and you're just beginning to learn what it means to follow Jesus. And, and so this is a question for you. How do, I, how do I go about changing? What does it look like for me to transform? But maybe, maybe you've been walking with Jesus. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've been in the church for a long, long time. And you're asking this question. Is it really possible for some of these huge areas of my life to actually change? Maybe you've been living for a long time in this kind of double life mode. You know, you've got it cleaned up on the outside, but you know that within, things are not the way you want them to be. That you want deeper change and real transformation in your whole life, not just a few pieces. And so if we want to experience that kind of deep change, I think the question we have to ask is how? 
how do we change like this? How does this change actually happen in our life? Because it's one thing to talk about. It's totally different to actually experience it. The truth is um, that we are changing. We're actually changing all the time. You see, we're all being shaped by different things in our lives and in the world. We're being shaped by uh, the ways that we think about the way the world works, right? We're being shaped and changed by um, the relationships we have. We're being shaped and changed by the habits we have, uh, by the places we live, the, the communities where we're involved. We're, we're being shaped by our cell phones, probably more than we even realize. We're being shaped by all these things, and it happens slowly over time that we're shaped and we're transformed. And all of life's complexity and all the things that kind of make us who we are, the family in whom we were raised, uh, our failures, our success, our loss, all these things shape us in profound ways. And here is the kicker. (laughs) Here's the thing about all that. All these things that are working to change you, they're constantly working to change you. And do you know what you have to do for that to happen? All you have to do is wake up tomorrow morning and start your day. You don't have to plan anything. You don't have to think. You don't have to read a book. You don't have to be strategic. Those things are working to change you all the time. It's a relentless effort to shape you and change you. And all you have to do is wake up tomorrow morning. And so if we want to be people who are shaped by Jesus and are becoming like Jesus then I think we have to kind of wake up to that reality, don't we? That we're being shaped and changed by other things that actually are making us become people who may or may not be anything like Jesus. And so the question we want to ask is, how do we counter that? If there's just this massive kind of undertow to life that's drawing us away from Jesus, how do we counter that current in our lives? Are there things that we can do that actually help change us and make us more like Jesus? And so that's what I want to spend the rest of our time this morning looking at and talking about is giving you four ways that we as followers of Jesus can change to become like him. So I just encourage you to write these down or make a note in your phone. If you want um, to experience change, I think these are some key ways that you really have to um, adapt your life in order to experience the change that Jesus has on offer. So the first one is this. The first way that we change to become like Jesus, I think, is through teaching. It's through teaching. What I mean by that is that Jesus offers to teach us what the world is really all about and how to live in it. That's what he is offering us. And the challenge is that there are other ways of seeing life, other competing stories or narratives, ways of seeing and understanding the world that are out there on offer for us. So for one example... Um, these competing stories, uh, one of them you could think about is uh, one that has radically shaped, even in the last decade, the way that we think about human sexuality. So one of the stories that shaped that is the reality that we kind of have a story out there that basically assumes there's a non-theistic evolutionary explanation for where we've come from, right? So in other words, that somehow we've evolved from something and God, there's no God. There's no God that was involved, no God who created us. And so if that's kind of the narrative with which you're living, um, what that means is that it alters the way you think about sexuality. So think through this. If that's true, if there's no God who created us, then what that means is that we are simply highly evolved animals 
It means that marriage and monogamy are social constructs. It means that sex is primarily about pleasure and it's recreational for grown-ups. That's what sex becomes. And so believing that particular story and living in a culture that believes that particular story will have a huge impact on the way that you live your life and you live in relationships and you express your sexuality. And that's just one story among a myriad of stories that are competing against what Jesus says life is really all about and how to live it. And so that's why we need teaching, right? We need teaching to remind us of the greater and truer story about life and who we are. We really need the story of the gospel and the story of scripture. So that's why we gather for times like this. That's why we gather in our life groups. And that's why we read books like I recommended, The Practice of the Presence of God, talking about the way of Jesus. That's why we're looking at all these things because we want Jesus to use these things to teach us about this truer and greater story that tells us who we are and how to live. Now, often when I say uh, the word teaching, I think most of us think about kind of information transfer, right? Like what's happening right now is I'm like downloading a bunch of stuff to you and you're writing it down, you're absorbing it and you take that information and then you go out and you do something with it. There's a part of teaching that involves that. But teaching is much more than that. And I say that because it's important for us to realize that it takes more than head knowledge to actually experience true transformation. You can't just think your way, in other words, to Christ's likeness. And some of us have been taught that as, uh, as long as we're in the Bible, And I'm not knocking the Bible. I'm pro-Bible, okay? Jesus was pro-Bible. I'm pro-Bible. Pro-Bible. But some of us have been taught that as our knowledge of the Bible increases, there goes our relationship and becoming like Jesus. And while I would say the Bible is essential for that to happen, it's not a given. In other words, it takes much more than just knowing the Bible to actually become like Jesus, We need to know and understand what the Bible is actually telling us, right? We need to know and understand what Jesus wants us to understand when it comes to his vision of reality, his vision for our identity, all the truths that lie behind his story and what he's telling us. And so we need to learn to see the world as Jesus sees it through his eyes so that we know how to live in it and how the world really works. So we need him to teach us. So teaching is a big part of how we are transformed. Second, practice. The second way we are transformed and changed is through practice. There's a fascinating book out that's um, it's been out for a few years. It's called The Power of Habits. And if you haven't read it, I recommend it. It's a great uh, summer read if you're looking for something on your list. But it's uh, really interesting to me because the research over the last kind of 20 years about habits reveals some really incredible things. And one of the things that it shows is just how powerful habits are actually to shape us and who we are. So some studies estimate this reality that actually up to 40% of everything that you do on any given day is driven by habit. Just think about that. It's not about a willful choice. It's not uh, kind of anything other than that's what you've kind of cultivated uh, based on your desires. And it just kind of feeds into this loop and you begin to do it. And it actually does more than just become a way of life. It actually shapes who you are. So you can legitimately say that what we do really shapes what we become. Is what science has kind of shown at this point. In other words, our habits, they get into the core of our being and they shape our loves and our longings. And Jesus knew that. 
I mean, Jesus knew that and he understood that because his vision of how we become like him, this process, is not a quick fix. It's a process that happens through practices over time. So think of the Sermon on the Mount. Just some of the things that Jesus uh, invites us, that teaches there. He says, love your enemies, right? He says, don't worry. Uh, He says uh, to keep yourself pure, avoid impure thoughts. And he says these things to us, and we're like, how is that even possible? How is it possible to do these kinds of things? And part of it is because we have a misconception that what Jesus is saying is don't worry. And we just go, okay. I won't worry anymore. I'm done worrying. Oh, why didn't I think of that? That's a great idea. Thank you, Jesus. But that's not what Jesus is saying, right? What he's saying is these are ways of thinking and being and their practices. We, we learn these things over time, and they begin to shape who we are. They shape our desires. They shape our heart, and they actually begin to impact the way that we live. So a great example of this is how many of you have ever run a, a marathon or a half marathon? Just put your hands up. Be proud. You should be proud. I've never done it. Uh, probably never will. So I'm amazed by you. Um, but I, I do have, I have a good friend, uh, and she is training for a half marathon. And by her own admission, she's not, quote, a runner, right? So it's not like she's like could go out next week and just run a half marathon. And so what she's done is she's gotten together with a few friends in her neighborhood, and they've started to train, right? They're training for a marathon. And how did they begin, right? Did they run a half marathon? If you've done this, you know. How did they begin? They started with a mile, right? A short distance, relatively. They start, that sounds like a long way to me. A mile. They start with a mile, and then they start to build up from there. And so a week goes by, they go to two miles, three miles, and they're building up, and slowly, over time, what's happening is they are becoming the kinds of people who can run a half marathon. Or maybe if they keep going, who could run a marathon? And I think that's a really helpful paradigm when we begin to think about what it means to follow Jesus. You see, we tend to think that we follow Jesus by trying really hard. And what I want to say is actually it's much more about training really hard. We can't just will ourselves to change, but we can cultivate practices that Jesus can use to change us and to shape us into the people that he wants us to become. And so it's not that you can't ever live free from anxiety. It's not that you can never be free from your anger or that you can never shake loose from the sexual impurity problem you've got. That's not the reality. It's just that you can't go that distance yet. You've got to work up to that. You've got to get there by cultivating practices with Jesus in community. And you'll get there. But it's going to take time. It's going to take training. And I know as I say that transformation takes work, that it takes training, that it takes a lot of effort on our part, some of us get nervous. Some of us get nervous because what we hear is, um, well, what about grace? What about grace? And what I want to say is, absolutely, all this is built on a foundation of grace. Salvation only comes through grace by faith. And so we have to be people who rely on the unmerited gift of God for salvation. But God also invites us into this collaborative work with him whereby we are changed. We have a role to play in who we are becoming. And if we want to become like Jesus, then we've got to play a part in this process. And I know some of us have been trying really hard 
for a long time. But what I want to ask you is, have you been training? Have you been training? Because some of us have cleaned up the outside, but we haven't really changed on the inside. Like I was talking, that was my experience in so many ways. And what I want to say is what Jesus is teaching is that these practices, this way of life that we're going to press into in the year ahead, what Jesus is saying is that this is the way to change your loves and your longings, your desires. This is the way to true transformation. So like I said, we're going to press into this in the coming year. We're going to try some of these practices. We're going to delve into this way of life with Jesus together and ask him to use them to change us. So first, um, God uses um, teaching. Second, God uses practices. And then third, God uses community. God uses community to transform us. Uh, Take a minute, think about the people in your life that you spend the most time with. Think about what they're like. Picture them in your head. Think about what they wear. Think about where they shop. Think about how they vote, if you know, if you guys talk about those kinds of things. My guess is, as you imagine those people, what you'll find is, if you're honest, is you're a lot like them, right? They're not people that are totally different than you. They're probably people that are pretty similar to you. And the reality, too, is that more and more time spent with them will actually shape you into being more and more like them. It's just kind of part of what it means to be human and to be in community, be in relationships. We become like the people that we hang out with. And so your relationships, in other words, it's important to realize your relationships actually shape you and influence who you are becoming. Now that can be a really great thing. That can also be a really bad thing, right? Depending on who you spend time with and anywhere in between, really. But true community in Christ is different. What I mean is that while we usually can pick our friends, like we we pick out our friends based on our preferences or our desires, our likes, common interests, those kinds of things. But God actually picks our family, our spiritual family, right? He brings us into a relationship with other followers of Jesus, and that is a totally different kind of dynamic than most any other relationship in our life. And it's interesting, I've found uh, just in my short time here at Apostles that we use that word a lot to talk about how we relate to one another. We talk about being family, I don't know if you've picked up on that. And what we mean is not that like we have a lot of little kids um, in our church or that we have these kind of big families that are involved in our church. What we mean is that we, we see and understand ourselves as adopted sons and daughters of Jesus, that we actually see ourselves as family, the family of God. And that means something to us. And so whether that's your life group, whether that is uh, the followers of Jesus that happen to live in your neighborhood, maybe that's uh, the people that you're close to here at Apostles. Whoever that is, God has given those people to you to help shape you and to help you become like Jesus. And I stress that because the idea of community, uh, of family, is not optional for followers of Jesus. And you may say, and I've heard people say this, well, I'm, I'm an introvert or I'm a loner or all I need is me and God on the golf course Uh, Or, you know, I just really don't like people. You know, I have a problem with people. I just can't be around people. There's all kinds of reasons not to really engage in meaningful ways in community. And I don't just mean being here on a Sunday. I mean really in relationships with one another. But the reality is that we cannot. It is impossible, based on what Jesus teaches and what Jesus models, to actually follow him and not be in community. Jesus called disciples, in other words, not a disciple. 
And he's calling all of us to kind of step into this in community. He calls us to live as family. And I think there's at least two great reasons why this is true, why community is so essential for our transformation. One is that community exposes us. And that sounds fun, doesn't it? Who's in? Who wants to be a part of that? (laughs) Community exposes us. This is what I mean. It actually exposes what's inside of us in a really profound way. Like, uh, it's like squeezing a sponge and seeing what comes out, right? That's what community does. And that actually is a scary thing, I think, but it's a really good thing, right? Because if we really want to change, the truth is we can't change if we're not honest with ourselves and we're not real with one another. And so community affords us the opportunity in a safe environment to be who we are and to let God work through people in our lives to help us see ourselves as we are and see those places that need transformation and help us become more like Christ. So the first way that community helps is it exposes. The second is it encourages us. Community encourages us. Community around Jesus constantly holds us out that there is hope for you to actually become like Jesus. That that's a reality for you. It sees you as Jesus sees you. It sees you as the person that Jesus is calling you to be and helps you grow into that person. And it calls us uh, to live in such a way that we encourage each other both by speaking truth but also giving words of just encouragement and saying, hey, don't quit. Press on. This is hard. But God is at work and he's making you into someone who is more and more like Jesus. And so for us as followers of Jesus, community is hard, but it is essential if we really want to change. So we change through teaching, through practices, community, and then finally, we change through the Holy Spirit. I want to come at this a little bit differently. We we change by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think about the fact that um, of all the things that shape you, all the things we've talked about, um, another really powerful way that we are shaped is by the place and the time where we live. The place and time where we live, everywhere has a particular kind of environment. And that environment works in implicit and explicit ways to shape you. So, for example, Houston has a particular culture and identity, and it has a power to shape who you are becoming. So, give you an example. Since I moved here from North Carolina, um, I have had to learn through the hard knocks of Interstate 10 how to drive in Houston. I've had to learn how to drive, and you've heard of defensive driving. I've had to learn offensive driving. I've had to learn how to be aggressive when I'm driving down interstate, because here's the reality. In Raleigh, if I'm going down the interstate, there's this thing, I don't know if y'all know, in your car, it's called a blinker or or a turn signal, and you, you turn it on, and then you look in your blind spot, and then you get over. In Houston, if you do that, it's like a target on your back. It is so crazy. It's just, it's totally different. It's totally Houston. You know how you get over? You go. You just go. Everybody moves out of the way. Just spread out. You just go to the lane. You want to, and so I've had to learn how to drive in Houston. I've had to learn how to be in Houston. Amen. 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 I'm going to amen on that. And it's a silly example, but it it points to a greater reality, I think, right? That where we live, the place we call home, actually changes us. It shapes us. It shapes who we are becoming. So whether that's the neighborhood where you live in Houston, or where you work, or the historical moment in which we find ourselves. We are in this digital age, and we have no idea what it's doing to us, but it is doing stuff to us. It's changing us. 
These little things we carry around in our pockets, it's changing us. It's created this universal reality. Have you thought about this? It's just, it's created this universal reality where we are all now a part of something that just literally goes around the world. And so your place, your time isn't just here. It's literally through your phone. It's everywhere in some sense. And so all these things, everything in our environment is working to shape us. And you're asking, okay, well, how does that connect with the Holy Spirit? This is how it connects with the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is so critical because the Holy Spirit, part of what the Holy Spirit does is it creates in us an awareness of a reality that is greater than these realities. Let me just say that again. The Holy Spirit creates in us an awareness of a reality that is greater than these realities. Sometimes the Spirit does that through extraordinary means, through things like healing or deliverance or miracles. But sometimes, in fact, I would say most of the time, the way the Holy Spirit does that is through the deep, abiding heart work over time. The Spirit transforms the way that we see the world. We live in God's kingdom, in other words, wherever we are. And that is the greatest reality. That is our dominant reality. More real to us in our culture, more real to us than earthly success in our classroom or in sports or at work. More real than what's on our bank account, more real than what's on our phone. The Holy Spirit, through the practice of the presence of God in our lives, through this abiding like we talked about last week, through keeping in step with the Spirit, it will change the way we see the world and the way we live in it. The Holy Spirit gives us a kingdom reality that supersedes every other reality in our life. And it changes us. So change comes through teaching, practices, community, and the Holy Spirit. All this takes time. And all this happens through the trials of life. You know, Jesus said that in this life as his followers, we will have trouble. That things will be difficult for us. The world tried to destroy him. We should expect nothing less. And so the hard but beautiful thing is that God is working to change us and to shape us and transform us and that he uses even our suffering and our trials to do that, to make us more into the likeness of Jesus. That if we follow Jesus through our hardships and suffering, God will use that to change us. James 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and let that perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature so that you can be transformed so that you can grow up and not lack anything see God is redeeming all our trials everything that we go through he can use all of it to change us and transform us to make us more like Jesus so we've asked how do we change to become like Jesus through teaching through practice through community and by the Holy Spirit And all this happens over time, and all this happens even through our trials. And so, the question for you is, is change, real heart change in your life possible? Is it really possible for you? What if you've been through a really painful and bitter divorce? Is change possible for you? What if you've suffered terrible abuse as a child? What if you feel like your whole life has just been an absolute failure? What if you're an abrasive and just difficult person? Can you change? Is transformation possible for you?
Jesus says yes. Jesus says yes. Change is possible. But it is not inevitable. Change takes effort. And the truth is that coming to church on a Sunday and even reading your Bible every day is not enough. It's essential, but it's not enough. It's not enough to stem the overwhelming tide of things that are working to shape you every single day just by the sheer fact that you will get up and enter into the world tomorrow. And so the only way that real transformation is gonna come is through intentional discipleship to Jesus in community. And so that's what we're going to spend our year pressing into. We want to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus. Then we've got to press into this together. What does it mean to really live in this intentional way in community? So let me give you just a, a quick thought on where you can start today. Last week, I encouraged you to take up a simple practice, 10 minutes a day of silence with God. I hope you've done that. I know some of you have done that because you've shared that experience with me. And if you haven't done it, try it this week. Ten minutes, no agenda, just silence and be with Jesus. Just sit still for ten minutes. And if you've done that this week, maybe you want to take it to the next level. Add five minutes. Add ten minutes. If you do that, maybe pick up a psalm each day and just read that as part of that time. But spend time just being with Jesus. So that's a great place to start in terms of practices. And then I want you to ask yourself a question this week. And here's the question. Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Every day, you're becoming someone. So if you were to plot out your character, think about it this way. If you were to plot out who you are becoming, your character over 20 or 30 or 40 years... I want you to think about who that person will be. And I want you to ask, what kind of person will I be if I stay on this trajectory? What kind of person will I become? Will it be a person who looks more and more like Jesus expressed through my life? Will it be someone who has actually become like Jesus? So ask yourself, who are you becoming? And next week we're going to talk about what it means to do what Jesus did. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that um, you would just encourage us this morning. Lord, I pray that we would leave here with a a spirit of encouragement, just knowing that change is possible. Lord, that real change, transformation, those parts of our heart, those corners of our lives that have remained untouched by you, God, that you can change those things in us. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would give us um, just a a real sense of peace about that. Lord, if we're stuck in a habit, if we're stuck in an addiction, if we're stuck in a dysfunctional relationship, Lord, if we're just anxious this morning, if we're afraid, Lord, that you would uh, give us hope that there is the possibility of change. And then, Lord, I ask that you would help us to ask you to help us change. And, Lord, that we would make uh, the effort it requires on our part to take up practices, Lord, to be people who are teachable, to really commit to being in community so that we can become more and more like Jesus. Give us a vision for that, Lord. Give us a vision for what it means to be transformed. God, we want to be like Jesus. We pray that you would help us to do that. We pray that in Jesus' name.
Amen.